Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Morning again, everybody. What is the greatest gift that Jesus has given you? Is it forgiveness, eternal life, the Holy Spirit guiding, prompting, day by day? Yes, yes, yes. Good news, the sermon is seven seconds long. We are done. Let's give a round of applause for it. Seven seconds. Anyway, uh, in the Gospel of John this morning, we hear Jesus describing this great gift in a, another way. And it is a big picture, overarching way, a way of reality, a way of purpose, a way of joy. First, let's explore what he says about reality, the world we live in. In our gospel reading, Jesus is praying for his disciples and for you and me. It's explicit. It's in black and white. That's what he says in John 17. We don't know if his disciples overheard him praying or he recounted his words to them. But it is incredible because it is Jesus' heart and yearning and own personal prayers to God for you, for you. He said, this is eternal life that they, his disciples, and you and me, know you, Father, And know me, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's it again. The seven-second sermon. But listen to what Jesus says about the reality, the world that we live in. They, he says, my disciples and you and me, are not of this world, just as I am not of this world, even though we live in it. God created us with freedom, with self-determination to explore, to grow, to choose our own way for good, for evil, for obedience, for rebellion, But he also gifted us with a huge difference through the gift of faith. We are not of this world, just like Jesus is not of this world. We are not enslaved to it. We are not completely handcuffed to it. By the gift of faith, we are 
on Jesus' side, we are aligned with Jesus. And this is not just a front-end alignment, like on your car. In fact, spiritually, Scripture says that we have a completely different identity. God sees us completely differently than we may see ourselves when we are hard and unforgiving on ourselves. God sees us completely differently when we may be mired in guilt or ill memories. God sees us completely differently when we may be worried about the future. The Bible says we are clothed with Christ in baptism. Because of Christ, our sins are as far as the east is from the west. And it's one of those hyperbole, extreme examples where if you think about it logically, the east and the west are by definition never together, never touching. It's polar opposites, the South Pole, the North Pole. The Bible says that God literally forgets our sins. Wouldn't it be great if we could do that? The Bible says that spiritually we are a new creation in Christ. And all this is at this big, fancy, four- or five-syllable word level, ontological. It's at this level of our very being, our very identity, who we are, though a lot of us are still sort of catching up with that big change, right? We can know this, we can trust in it, and yet Scripture also exhorts us. We run the race. We're working out our salvation. We are physically, emotionally, perhaps morally, ethically catching up with this new identity. This reality has huge implications for us and for those we encounter. Think about the world we live in. Yes, there is beauty in God's creation, but there is also pressure and selfishness and temptation and sin and brokenness and conflict and hypocrisy and pain. It's the fallen nature of the world. And yet, as opposed to all of this, because of this new spiritual identity, being aligned with Christ, being clothed with Christ, having the Spirit of Christ within us, we can feel gratitude for our blessings. 
we can attribute those to a power greater than ourselves to a loving God instead of to our own capabilities. And boy, is that a relief, because then you don't have to juggle the ball. You can trust. You can be in gratitude. And we can even get to the point, which I know some of you have, and I still struggle with this one, of seeing our challenges as blessings, as opportunities for this prompting to turn to God, to find gratitude, to have hope. And that hope is incredible. It may be very subtle. In my quiet time, in my prayer time, uh, suffice to say, I'm not revolutionized and changing the world. I am just seeking to experience a little bit of that buoyancy, a little bit of that relief, a little bit of that hope, and it is a beautiful, transforming thing amid uncertain circumstances. This new reality also means that we can see people the way Jesus does, the way he sees us. And we trust in that. We're okay with that. That there is acceptance. There is love. There is forgiveness. We can see other people in the same way. With compassion. Especially when we have walked through those challenges. And we see other people walking through similar challenges. There's the grounding of this incredible blessing of mission and purpose that we'll talk about in just a second. We can see people the way Jesus does. We can offer encouragement like Jesus does. Speak the truth, but in love like Jesus did. We can give and act and serve like Jesus did selflessly to help people who are walking through the same stuff that we've walked through, to help save them from that pressure, that selfishness, that temptation, that sin, that conflict, that hypocrisy, that pain, like Jesus did. And maybe through these eyes of compassion, the penultimate privilege, walking with them in relationship through this new way of life. Not just, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Be, be well, be encouraged but walk along together in relationship. Next, this, this feeling, this seeing with eyes of compassion, this new identity is not just an option. 
It is to be our very purpose. Jesus' great gift is not that we are just not enslaved, handcuffed to the world, but that we also have a unique, personal, liberating purpose in this world. From our gospel reading, Jesus said, As you sent me into the world, Father, God, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, his disciples, you and me. And the Bible says this in dozens of ways. There's no question about it. Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men to bring others into this boat of faith and life and new identity. A new commandment I give you, love others just as I have loved you. That can be a sweet, trite phrase that we just sort of pass over. Or think about the good shepherd, the walking along with, the guiding along over time in relationship, and think about Jesus' sacrifice, service, even to the point of suffering, just as I have loved you. You are ambassadors for Christ. Think about the American ambassador to wherever. This person is the physical representative of the President of the United States, our government, and our nation. So it is a, it is a role. It is a um, way of living out values to representing them to the world. And many of us, I in particular, struggle with remembering this. But it's a beautiful image to know that you're in this role of faith. Then let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Wow, your manner of life. Is it about cutting corners and manipulation and control, resentment, anger? Or is it about acceptance, love, encouragement, honoring, respecting, including, inviting? Or have the mind of Christ by becoming a servant. By becoming a servant, wow, this brings up the idea of humility. Humility, being right-sized. It's why we come forward for communion with our hands outstretched like this because we are receiving blessing. We are receiving goodness and grace. We're not in charge of it. We're in humility. And Jesus' greatest example, I have washed your feet as an example. These are his words. So go and do just as I have done. Now, I don't know about you, but I am really glad that the custom of foot washing has fallen away over the years. 
and that we are not really going out there and washing people's feet. Yuck. But the symbol, it's the symbol. It's Jesus being willing to kneel down with another, down at their level, like he knelt down at our level. And so what can we do to serve? What can we do to cleanse, to ameliorate, to comfort? And then really practical out of the book of James, another one, pure religion is this, to go and visit orphans and widows in their affliction. That's pure religion. Wow. And finally, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Your nation may be in your neighborhood. It may be the bridge club. It may be the country club. It may be the racket club. It may be MISD. It may be the cigar bar. Who knows? The call, the purpose, is sure. How we live this out, how we do this, is as different as each one of us are. Our experiences, our aptitudes, our dreams, our skills, our abilities, the sense of the Spirit's calling, our spiritual gifting, all of that may be different for each one of us. It's why Joe Cumbest started today a shape class in Sunday school where you explore these aptitudes and interests and abilities and things in your heart and sort of figure out <coughs> what might God's will for your mission and purpose be specifically. If you couldn't make it, great, come next week. The great gift of Jesus is not just that he changes our reality, that we are not of this world, not enslaved, not handcuffed. It's not just that he gives us a new purpose and mission. It is that he gives us something the world cannot, joy. In our gospel reading, Jesus said, I am coming to you, Father, and these things I speak in the world, that they, his disciples, you and me, may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. In Jesus' ascension to heaven, which we remember today on the church calendar, he returned to his heavenly Father so that God could fulfill Jesus' mission, glorifying him, making him king, over heaven and earth. But note those strange words, I am coming to you, Father, and these things I speak in the world are also coming to you. Hmm. The words Jesus spoke also returned to God so that everything he said could be fulfilled, just like his own glorification. The things he said about you and me in the high priestly prayer 
in John 17. So, you are right at the center of this huge overarching fulfillment, glorification of Christ, and God's working out of salvation in the world. Your new identity, your new purpose, his purpose, his mission. And it is all about joy. Think about joy for a moment. The first time you got to play outside after dinner as a kid. For us, it was kick the can, the greatest game in the world. Or discovering your first love as a teenager. And then making a complete fool out of yourself after that. Or getting married. Or your first big promotion that said, hey, this man or woman is doing a good job. Or seeing your first child be born. Or seeing your first grandchild be born. Or for some of you, great-grandchild. These are all firsts. They are all new beginnings. All just glimmers of the really big new beginning. The new heaven, the new earth, the new song, the new Jerusalem that God has been working out ever since the fall, all through time and history, through your life. Today, through you, and which he will bring to completion in the book of Revelation. Your new identity in Christ, your personal purpose and mission, the glimmers of joy that you experience, put you right in the middle of Jesus' words that returned to the Father. Read John 17 today. It's incredible. Those words are about us. And I'll bet you this is why the Holy Spirit inspired St. Paul to write to the church of Ephesus about you. First chapter of Ephesians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ, past tense, who has already blessed us. It's all done from the beginning of time. We're just trying to catch up with it in our minds and hearts. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. How many spiritual blessings are in every? All of them. Before the foundation of the world, that we may be holy and blameless before him. Wow. I'm not holy and blameless, but remember the new identity in Christ, the clothed with Christ, the east-west thing? 
That's how we're holy and blameless before him, even as we try to catch up. As a plan for the fullness of time, our lives are connected to the outcome in the book of Revelation. We are part of it. So we want to suggest this morning, this is a really big deal, right? We don't want to miss out on our new identity. We don't want to miss out on our new purpose. We don't want to miss out on these glimmers of joy. So don't miss out. Don't be too busy. Don't brush it aside. Don't get stuck in the past like some people do. Embrace this reality, this identity. Explore this purpose. Act in this new joy. And if you, if you feel like you need a little bit of realignment, more alignment with Jesus, boy, do I understand that. Ask God to show you your new identity, to prompt you, let you see, lead you in this new purpose, and to let you see and experience these glimmers of joy. Jesus does not want you to miss out on his greatest gifts. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for all of your blessings that you express in so many ways in Scripture and through the leading of the Spirit and through good fellowship and good counsel together. I ask you to prompt each of us this day about this new identity, that we are new creations, even though we may not feel like it sometimes. Lord, that we do have this incredible purpose. Prompt us with some opportunities to text or pick up the phone or go see somebody. And Lord, this joy that we seek, not just worldly happiness, but fulfilling, sure, certain joy and hope in your love, we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.